This week on The Twinning Podcast. Starting six or eight months or so, I would make sure that I was giving them different flavors and kind of different foods that were similar to the foods that I cooked for myself and for my husband because it made it easier to then transition them to eating smaller portions of what I was already cooking, right? Because you don't want to be cooking separate meals for your family Mm -hmm. forever. And, um, and yeah, they love Indian spice foods. Like now I'll feed them roasted vegetables with, you know, curry spices and cumin and they're all about it. And it's just, it's just so funny that, um, they are, (laughs) they're really excited by, uh, by certain foods and certain flavors. And I, I like to think that I can take credit for that because I was so diligent with, you know, exposing them to different flavors when they were little. Welcome to the Twinning Podcast, a podcast that shares the unfiltered truth about raising twins. Here are your hosts and fellow twin parents, Megan and Ben. Hello and welcome to the Twinning Podcast. What? We're back? Yeah. This is season, what did I say? 2.5. Because <laughs> I think we did technically our first season up until the girls were born. Yeah. And then season two was a long season. So everyone was very gracious with us doing, you know, all the way up to like a year and change. Yeah. And so then we took a couple of months off. Yep. Rejuvenated. Yeah. Girls still haven't grown any hair. No. And decided to start back up. Yeah. And so... uh yeah, we decided to start um, our first episode. I think it'll be our first episode. Of 2.5? 2.5. I think might as well start it off with a bang. Okay. We spoke with... Uh, a bang? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I think we, we need s- something to eat. We need Speaking. wine. Yes. And the wine you're drinking is Powerade because you're sick. I'm not sick. Listen to you. You're still sick. You've got... Okay. No, maybe I am You have like sick. the baby plague. For like the last like 15 days. Oh my gosh, guys. I'm over the baby plague. I've been sick literally for a week and a half straight. Almost two weeks straight. Yeah. But yeah, today we uh, had an opportunity to talk with Amanda, who uh, is the founder of and writer of Amanda's Amanda's Great Idea. Yep. It's a blog on healthy eating, healthy living, and especially healthy cooking for... um, your babies mm-hmm. and it's a we had a really good conversation yep. with her her website is super pretty all the pictures look so yummy makes you want to eat lots of healthy foods yeah and her instagram was um also i liked it because it wasn't just about the business it was mm-hmm. about her family and mm-hmm. stuff um kind of like our stuff you can find her um instagram is amanda's great idea on instagram hit her up and uh do you have anything before we send everyone off to this conversation? No, I do not. You're hungry now. I'm hungry and I'm, I want to strangle this dog. I don't want to strangle Don't call PETA on me. Yeah. She's just very needy. She's very needy. <laughs> oh, by the way, we're going to give you a little Priscilla story before we go. <laughs> so yesterday, I've been sick. So I've been, been sleeping in a separate bedroom. We do not make this a practice. I go into the bedroom and I was like, all right, all right sorry. I walk. Hold on, back it up, back it up. Even before, but two weeks ago, you decided she is no longer sleeping in her bedroom. Oh yeah, because she snores so loud. loud. (laughs) Keep me away. You can hear. My mom said she can hear her snoring when she's in the basement (laughs) with the sound machine on. My mom's upstairs with crying babies. Okay, 
So anyways, back to my story. This is all about me. Uh, walking in to wake Ben up, I look down the hallway and Priscilla had shit on the floor at the top of our steps, like little turds everywhere. I'm like, come on. I so was, I wake, of course I wake, I don't pick it up. I wake Ben up and I'm like. Yeah, you wake <laughs> me up at like 5.45 in the morning and you're like, Priscilla pooped at the top of the stairs. I'm like, <laughs> and I know this because what happened was the night before we were having like a thunderstorm and I couldn't get her to I go I think outside. this was the day I stayed home from work too. So there yeah. was no, I, would, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is the second was, time this year in the past, like since we've moved into this house that I have had stomach virus. I have not had a stomach virus before this in probably 20 years. Yeah. Damn children. Yeah. But needless to say, Priscilla decided to leave us a little present that morning. Yeah. But on the notion for healthy eating and healthy diet um, diets, it was very easy to clean up. There was no mess afterwards. Yeah, that's true. Very firm. So I was very happy with that's that. That's true. She needs a little more water. Yeah, probably. But... All right. On that note, <laughs> I hope you enjoy you're enjoying your Cabernet while you listen to this. Um, here's our conversation with Amanda from Amanda's Great Idea. All right, Amanda, thank you um, for joining us on the Twinning Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, I guess we did this before. We'll do it again. Obviously, you're a twin parent. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I guess tell us a little bit about your your twins. Well, I have two girls um, who are fraternal. They just turned two uh, a couple weeks ago, and their names are Reagan and Gemma. Beautiful. And thank you. And they are um, our only children, our first, and they are so much fun. Two is like a crazy age. They're into everything. They're so different. Um, and yeah, they're just so, the best. so Ben was showing me the picture of your family just a minute ago. And the first mm. thing I thought was, wow, they're identical. So they're fraternal. <laughs> Interesting. They look a lot alike, maybe different you know, hair color. Yeah. I hear that a lot. You know, Reagan has a little bit lighter hair and Gemma's is a little bit curlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a lot of people tell us how much alike they look mm-hmm. and it just sounds so silly to me because I think that they are they look so different and I'm sure that's you know a twin mom yeah. thing um but yeah I still get asked very often if they're identical and I guess there's technically a 20% chance that they could be identical because mm-hmm. they are die die twins um but my mom instinct tells me that they're fraternal so I'm yeah. just going with that there you go <laughs> that's cool <laughs> And so, so one more thing. Yeah. And the second thing was they have so much hair. Our girls have no hair right now. I was just amazed at how much hair your girls have. <laughs> Beautiful <I> guess, hair. <laughs> thank you. And I don't really have anything to compare it to, but that's what they were. They were destined for it. <laughs> we yeah. are too, but our kids have no hair. Yeah, just, it's, I'm trying, you know, it's, I try everything when we bathe them. Like, like the Rogaine or something. No, I haven't tried that yet, but like when I bathe them, I will use that brush on their head. Um, cause I heard that that can help stimulate the follicles. And, oh, nice. But I, I mean, it's growing, it's growing into a mullet. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's as clear oh, as a mullet as can be. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah. And to bring out the hockey pads and the yeah, skates. Exactly. And send them up to Canada. <laughs> um, so tell, 
tell us, um, our, our listeners, kind of what it was like finding out that you were having twins. Well, it was definitely a surprise. Um, not a huge surprise because I had gone for blood work and um, the nurse had called me and said that my pregnancy hormone was really, really high. And, and you know, did I realize that there could be a chance that I had more than one baby? So over the phone, that was my first clue that maybe we were dealing with more than one. Um, and actually, the night before my first ultrasound, I had a dream that I was having triplets, which was very strange. Oh. Um, so when we went in for our first ultrasound, um, uh, they saw, you know, the first baby and then they fanned the ultrasound and said, oh, my gosh, and there's another one. And uh, the doctor looked at me and I just said, just keep looking and, and make sure there's not a third because <laughs> I was so I was so convinced that there would be three because of the dream that I had the night before. Um, but I kind of already had a clue because my pregnancy hormones were so high that there would be more than one. But still, you know, I just remember my husband and I sitting in the doctor's office with just like that dumbstruck <laughs> stare on our faces like what? What are we in for? We just had no, we had no clue what we were in for. (laughs) How far along were you when you found out? Um, I was about eight or nine weeks along. So you were really early. early. That's good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's kind of like, I just had a dumbstruck is kind of how I would describe when (laughs) we found out like you had asked and the doctor, that person was very nonchalant because you had said there is only one, right? Mm -hmm. And that person's like, nope, two. And it was just like. (laughs) quiet yeah okay so i'm gonna kind of go off script here but i was having a conversation with somebody today and i was like you know there are so many things that i thought well while i was pregnant i was gonna do like i was gonna do this and i was gonna do that and i just didn't do it like we bought a thousand dollars worth of cloth diapers i mean sure i'm sure people hear that (laughs) in our early episodes and we like use them for a half a day or something two times yeah (laughs) or like we were gonna breastfeed and that just didn't work out for me so what is the one thing that while you were pregnant you you thought you were gonna do that you just didn't end up doing or maybe even before you were pregnant there were a couple I you know I was always the type of person who kind of thought about what I would be like as a mom and I really wanted to be you know kind of more of a crunchy mom. Like I really wanted to baby wear and cloth diaper and breastfeed and do all these things that you mentioned too. And then once I realized that we were having twins, I remember calling my best friend from the parking lot of the doctor's office and saying, how am I going to breastfeed two babies and how am I going to wear two babies? Um, and ultimately, I think to answer your question, the the biggest thing that I really, really thought I was going to do more of that I didn't was wear my babies. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a whole bunch of different like tandem and twin baby wearing devices. And ultimately, they I wore them around the house. And, and that was it. It was just never feasible to be out of the house by myself wearing two children, because just logistically, like if one had a dirty diaper, what was I going to do with the other one? And that was kind of the one thing that I felt a little bit down about not being able to do because I had two kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had ambitions of wearing them. Oh yeah. We had one of the twin baby carriers. That's another thing we didn't do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think for us, it was almost just, they were so by the time they were 10 pounds each, I mean, that's just a lot of weight on your body. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, they were tiny still too. I think that was the other thing I had the issue with because it just didn't look comfortable. Yeah. They're Mm -hmm. still really short babies. Yeah. And when they're in 
like the, they were just like forced up onto you. And, mm-hmm. um, I just, again, stroller was just so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. So when, um, did you, when were the twins born? Like at what time? So they were born, um, at 31 weeks and three days. So they were a couple months early. Um, I had been taken out of work. I work as a nurse practitioner and I work 12 hour shifts on my feet all day in the emergency room. So I was taken out of work at 30 weeks because I was starting to have contractions during work. Um, I wasn't on bed rest or anything, but I was taken out of work. And then, um, a week later on a Saturday morning, my husband had just made breakfast. He made, um, this most like decadent meal. He made French toast grilled cheese mm. with bacon. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so we had just had breakfast and I was laying down taking a nap and I turned over in bed and I heard and felt a pop and my water had broken. Um, so we went or I called my doctor who, you know, sent me into the hospital and they confirmed that my water had broken. So they kind of started that whole process of trying to stop my labor. Um, but ultimately, uh, they said, you know, if you get to five centimeters, it's pretty much the point of no return and the babies are going to come today. So uh, long story short, I did end up very quickly um, progressing uh, to five centimeters. So I knew that uh, the babies were going to come. So we just kind of buckled in and went through the rest of the labor, which once I got the epidural, everything was great. Um, and even though they were early, um, I still had for the most part, a very conventional experience as conventional. It could be for, for twins. Like I had to deliver them in the OR. Um, and you know, there was a team full of doctors in the room, but, uh, I didn't have to have a C-section. They were, you know, big enough that I could deliver them naturally, which was great. That was on my to-do list. So I was pretty pleased about that. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the short version. How big were they? They were just under four pounds each. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Our girls yeah. were what? 312 mm-hmm. each and they were what? 33 weeks? Mm-hmm. 30. Yeah. Yeah. So did they spend some time in the NICU, I assume? They did. Yeah. Because my labor was so quick, um, they, I didn't really have time to get the steroid shots, um, for lung maturity. So they did end up, um, needing to be intubated for a day to mature their lungs. And, um, all in all, uh, Gemma, who was baby B, the smaller one, she was in the NICU for one month. And then Reagan, who was a little bit bigger, was there for six weeks. So there was a, there was two weeks where we had just one at home. And, and for the most part, the NICU experience, um, you know, it was a little bit of a roller coaster. It had its ups and downs, but in hindsight, they really didn't have any major complications. It was just a matter of them gaining weight and growing and kind of overcoming those preemie hurdles. Like they were anemic and they needed a blood transfusion and they needed caffeine because they had a little bit of that apnea where they would stop breathing, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, but, uh, it was a pretty, um, pretty, not so scary experience considering that they were there for that long. So I, I have a question. How, how was it for you to have one at home and one in the NICU? Were you taking this, the other baby to the NICU with you or how was that working? So the NICU had a policy that you had to have one adult 
you had to, like, if you were bringing a sibling in, you had to have another adult who was responsible for the sibling. So I couldn't bring one baby in by myself and visit the other baby. Mm. Like, but if my husband had come, we, we could bring the baby. So, um, we really only brought Gemma back to the NICU once or twice. So, um, what I would do was I, uh, I went from spending probably, you know, eight to 10 hours a day in the NICU when they were both there to going for about one to two hours a day, mm-hmm. which was really difficult for me. Like I remember those first few days where one was home and one was still in the hospital. You know, it really, I, I've never felt torn in, in two directions like that before. And ultimately someone explained it to me and said, you know, your baby who's at home really needs you to mother her. Whereas the one who's in the NICU has all of her needs met. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not there with her, she, you know, she is thriving. There are people caring for her 24 seven. So as much as I wanted to spend time with the one who was in the hospital, I made the conscious decision to, you know, only go for a couple hours a day and, you know, deliver the breast milk and have some cuddle time and spend time. But ultimately I, kind of prioritized the baby who was at home which was really difficult yeah i bet it was while um you guys were or while you were pregnant were you like anticipating any type of a NICU stay or was that something that you hadn't even thought about or considered like how, uh, we yeah. we knew it was a possibility because you know i knew the reality that you know high rate of twins are born early and we went to a multiples childbirth class at the hospital Uh, and it's actually the hospital that I work at that has the level four NICU so I was familiar with um, the hospital so that's where we went to our childbirth class and it was a multiples childbirth class and as part of that class we toured the NICU and they kind of explained the process if we you know, if we were to have any NICU time. So it was already uh, a familiar place. I personally was hoping to be, you know, that twin mom who carried her babies to like mm-hmm. 42 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was obviously not my plan. And I really didn't have during my pregnancy any signs of preterm labor until I actually went into labor. So... That's cool that your hospital has a multiples yeah. class. Yeah, ours does now, but Do it they? didn't at the time we were going through it. I think I wrote that on a suggestion card, didn't I? Say something maybe, about maybe. About, I think so because it was weird when we were there, and they remember like they were saying like, you know, you'll do this and this, and then they're like, and then but it'd be like with twins, then there was kind of like a you'll be in a different situation. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, but that's awesome that you guys had that opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. And our, I don't know, I, I haven't verified this statistic, but I've been told that Rochester, New York has one of the highest rates of multiple births. Oh, wow. Must so, be the water. Something in the water. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so how, after you got baby, both babies back home, how was it like those first couple months um, adjusting to uh, not only like parent life, but parent of twins, baby twins life? It was, it was difficult. I'm I'm not sure any twin parent would tell you that it was easy for sure. Beyonce Um, and Jay-Z probably would. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. If you have enough money. Um, No, it was, you know, and honestly, it's such a blur, right? Like, can we really remember that period? But um, it was all that I knew. I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I felt like that was in my favor. 
um, we live far away from any family, so we didn't have many people nearby, but we had visitors um, who would, like my parents and my in-laws would come on the weekend. And um, I was able to take four months off of work. My husband took a couple weeks. So we just kind of figured it out. And fortunately, I feel like the routine of the NICU was it translated easily to home. Like they keep you on an every three or four hour schedule in terms of feeding and changing and napping there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of continued doing that at home. And as a result, we were able to settle into a routine pretty easily, which I think set us up for success as the time went on. I would agree. Um, I think that schedule was very helpful yeah, for us. Yeah, it was. Um, and I always like asking people this just because it's something like you said, it was a blur. I don't remember. I just remember being extremely tired and mm. having a kitchen sink full of Dr. Brown's baby <laughs> bottle <Yes>. parts. <laughs> That's all I can re- And yes. watching like fluffy on uh, oh, Netflix yeah. <laughs> over and over and over. Well, how many TV shows do we make it through? Uh, New Girl. New Girl. Yep. That's just like every time we wake up for a feeding and play something mm-hmm. and... And it was like three hours on, three hours off. It was just seemed like a oh, three yeah. hour repeat. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's all. Yeah, that's kind of, that's good. So, um, yeah, like going forward now, how were like that, fir- that first um, couple of years then with the girls? Um, you know, when you went back to work, you know, are you sending them to daycare? Um, how did all that stuff work out? So I went back to work um, after four months. So I took my 12 weeks plus um, a month of leave of absence. And when I went back to work, I went back full time. And we we had actually, before the babies even came, we had decided to go with a nanny to come into our home because where we live and the nanny that we interviewed, it was um, ultimately less expensive mm-hmm. compared to daycare. Uh, and also I knew that it was a possibility they would be born early. And when we had met with our pediatrician, he kind of suggested, you know, if they're premature, you may not want them in daycare from such a young age because of all the germ exposure. So we had already made that decision. So I went back to work at four weeks, uh, four months. The nanny, um, came to our house and watched the girls and she's still with us. She's basically an extension of the family, which is great. Um, and after a couple months, you know, I was really struggling with going back to works. And what I ended up doing was I switched my schedule to straight overnights. So um, I work 12 hour overnight shifts. And when I was full time, I would work three overnights per week, um, including weekends. So basically, the nanny would be watching the girls in the house while I slept. Um, so it gave me a little bit more peace of mind to be able to, because when I would, I would put them to bed and then go to work. So it made it so much easier to go to work knowing that they were home sleeping and happy. And, um, I would just come home and sleep and they would still be in the house. So it, it made that, um, going back to work process a lot easier. And actually this past January, I made the decision to drop my hours a bit. So, um, I'm not full-time anymore. I'm part-time, which has really been great and has given me more uh, flexibility and more time during the week to to do things with them and get out of the house and go on play dates and um, have more of a at-home mom experience, even though I still I still work a fair amount. That's cool. That's awesome. That was something that we had always looked into, just as you mentioned, the price for twins in daycare is this outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um 
and there's a lot of variables then too with that daycare Mm -hmm. as you know and so we lucked out with my mom offering to watch the girls three days a week so we can send them for two days a week to daycare but even the daycare we have now it's very frustrating Mm -hmm. um something that is interesting because and i'll use this as a segue to talk about um something that looks like you're interested in is the food they feed our girls like donuts at daycare mm-hmm. and it drives, oh, really? drives oh, us yeah. nuts. and um pizza tomorrow they'll have pizza for they had, sure they had hamburgers and fries today mm-hmm. and so um that's kind of something that sound looks like you're passionate about is the healthy yes. eating um not only for like mom and dad, but also for the babies. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. When I um, was pregnant and after they were born, I listened to a lot of audiobooks and did a lot of reading um, about, you know, just kind of usual baby development stuff. And, and one of these common threads that stuck out to me was the effect that healthy sleep habits and healthy eating habits can have on behavior and development and growth. And since my girls were born early, I was willing to pretty much do anything possible to make sure that they were gaining weight and growing according to their growth curve and just doing everything in my in my power. So, you know, I respected nap times very strictly, bedtimes I was very strict about because I knew that they were going to grow when they slept. Um, and so that kind of transitioned into me realizing that I also had the power to help them grow and be healthy by having control over what I fed them. And so uh, I made the decision early on to make all of their baby food homemade from scratch, um, which turned out to be such a blessing because not only did I save a ton of money um, compared to buying baby food at the store, but I was able to batch cook everything and essentially cook a month's worth of food um, in a couple hours um, and it really fit into the budget as well. So that turned into something that I really enjoyed in, in that first year. And then um, as a nurse practitioner, you know, on the healthcare side of things, I see so many chronic diseases and illnesses on a day-to-day basis. And that's not something that I want for me or want for my kids. So I'm kind of as I right now, I still have control over what they eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of taken it um, as my responsibility to make sure that I'm feeding them fuel and nutritious, um, foods that are going to help them. I, I don't have them obviously like on a diet and I don't restrict them in any way, but you know, I'm very conscious of the balance of the foods that they eat and are they eating fresh produce and healthy fats and, you know, not having a lot of sugar, that type of thing, because I think that it can only kind of do them good in the long run. What was, um, you know, in that early time, um, like the first couple months of them starting, you know, baby food, what were some of like their favorite types of foods that they would eat? Oh, they loved almost everything, but they particularly loved bananas. They loved sweet potato they loved avocado. They just loved fruits and vegetables. There was, I think both of them really refused butternut squash for a while. <laughs> um, but, but eventually they came around to it. And, you know, after the first couple of months, I started to 
you know, mix in some spices and some seasonings and they experimented with, you know, cut up foods that they could feed themselves. Um, so they really, um, they really, and as a result, they love food. There's nothing that they won't eat. So I feel like I really got to expose them to a whole host of different flavors and textures that maybe they wouldn't have gotten if I had done everything store bought or not, you know, taken the time to, to kind of personalize the experience for them. So our girls were obsessed with butternut squash. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day they just stopped eating it. Like just, they just refused it, would throw it on the floor. Yes. And it's, um, now I think one will eat it back, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I think the baby food thing, it was a very much a challenging time because we didn't buy much baby food. I, I mean, very limited, but aside from the, um, applesauce packets from Costco, mm-hmm. Because my, I think our big thing is you don't know where that food's coming from, and I'm kind of, you'd see some of these foods and it's just, ugh, you know, if I'm not going to eat it, I don't want the kids to eat it. Yeah. Um, and that was one of those where we were, you know, we bought a couple books on that we saw online. We, you, we did make our own baby food for quite a bit, and then we kind of transitioned them to foods that we were eating, like a milder version. Our doctor. Um, gave us some tips. I don't know if, if this is something that you do. I guess it is with the spices, but she wanted us to start introducing like spices to them yeah. at an early age. Yeah. Um, even like Indian food, you know, mm-hmm. really trying to, cause that I, something about making sure that to avoid picky eaters. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We did the same thing, you know, probably starting six or eight months or so I would make sure that I was giving them different flavors and kind of, different foods that were similar to the foods that I cooked for myself and for my husband, because it made it easier to then transition them to eating smaller portions of what I was already cooking, right? Because you don't want to be cooking separate meals for your family Mm -hmm. forever. And, um, and yeah, they love Indian spice foods. Like now I'll feed them roasted vegetables with, you know, curry spices and cumin and, they're all about it and it's just it's just so funny that um they are they're really excited by uh by certain foods and certain flavors and i i like to think that i can take credit for that because i was so diligent with you know exposing them to different flavors when they were little that's awesome and so you have a website and it has like Lots of great information. We're looking at it right now. Oh, pretty um, pictures. Yeah, very. It looks great. Yeah. Um, Amanda'sGreatIdea.com. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, Amanda's Great Idea is my blog and website that I started. I basically launched it on their first birthday. And it was a little bit of a, um, a passion project that, came out of me coping with the transition to becoming a mom and going back to work. And it really served as a creative outlet for me um, to just kind of get my thoughts down um, and send it out to the world somewhere and, you know, in in the interweb. And um, what it's morphed into now is kind of my space where I can um, educate other parents about healthy eating and, um, you know, 
cooking for their baby and exploring baby foods and just kind of promoting overall health and wellness for families. Um, and something that uh, I've done there is done a little bit. I, you know, I have a, a course, a mini course that's all about starting baby foods and baby recipes and that type of thing. Because when I was starting to feed the girls, it was really challenging because I felt like the information was scattered all over the place. Like I couldn't just find this one place that gave me everything that I needed to know about how to start, you know, what to feed them, what not to feed them, when to do it all, um, you know, how to cook efficiently. Um, so I kind of took the things that I learned through all of my research and put it down in one spot so that other parents don't have to struggle the way I did. That's awesome. Cause like I said, I remember, I don't even, I don't even know. Again, I think it was like the first year was a blur for me. Yeah. Um, At least the first six months. <laughs> yeah. But there was some point in that period when I like put out on like Instagram or Facebook to our group, like to our audience, what are we supposed to feed them or how do we do this? Mm. And, uh, lots of people like, um, had suggestions. A lot of people didn't. I mean, it was, um, it was a question that came up in our house and it was one of those two about being overwhelmed and making sure there was enough food for when we go to work that, uh, my mom would have food for them or at that time, which we probably should do is bring, we were bringing food to daycare for them. Um, and it was, you know, it was one of those things, it was stressful at times making sure the grocery store you're now buying, not just for the two of us, but the four of us, mm-hmm. right. um, making sure that again, it's like you said, all good food, healthy food. Um, yeah. Not spam. i do find it maybe you're not this way but i do find us like we feed our kids so much better than we feed ourselves so we feed them like like they're eating healthier than we are which um i I just find kind of interesting yeah yeah i i think that was definitely the case for us too um and you know, because from when they were four, six months, whenever they started, you know, I planned out every meal for them because like you said, I didn't want them to be caught without food. I wanted to make sure that everything, you know, was all set for them. And then probably when they were about a year or so, when I emerged from the fog, so to speak, you know, it hit me that I was doing that exact thing that I was feeding them better than I was feeding myself. And that's when we kind of started to change our eating habits a little bit and just kind of clean things up and reduce the sugar and reduce the processed foods. And um, that's when I kind of got into more of a, a groove in terms of realizing how um, eating healthier and eating less processed foods can really um, set you up for success in the long run. So for the most part, I try to, um, you know, behave when it comes to mm-hmm. eating, but it's really tough because, you know, our lives are so busy and there's so much going on and you know there's so many excuses that we can make for not taking good care of ourselves but I've really made it a priority probably the last six months to put those excuses aside and just you know make it happen take a couple hours prepare a whole bunch of food so that I'm never stuck in a situation when I have to make Mm -hmm. a you know make a negative choice well we had um earlier I think it was probably this time last year we spoke with uh, Melissa D. Arabian, um, and her advice was always about eating clean food. Mm-hmm. And that was during that, like when you're 
that first year when you're everything's kind of a blur you know she was talking about like a quinoa salad just that she would just always make once a week and leave it in the the fridge and yeah um it's so much easier when you have something that's healthy already made in the fridge versus sitting and you have nothing made and you're hungry Mm -hmm. then the chinese food's only 10 minutes away (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and i feel like you know as parents we make so many decisions throughout the whole day that it's so easy to get decision fatigue, which is a a real thing, which is basically, Mm -hmm. you know, when you've made so many decisions, you lose the ability to make good decisions. And, you know, it's a cumulative thing. So if you've gone through this entire day where you're responsible for keeping these two babies alive and, you know, you get to the point where you're just exhausted and, you know, you've probably had that moment where you open up the fridge and you're just looking and you're like, I, I just can't make another decision right now. I, mm-hmm. I just, I just can't do it. And that's where it really helps having, you know, food already made or, you know, parts of meals already prepped because it just takes that big decision out of it um, and makes it more of a more habitual and, and less of a chore. So do you plan your like weekly menu out in advance, like on Sundays, Saturdays, plan for the week or what's um, like, what's your strategy? Yeah, I do. Actually, I've got a little dry erase board that sits on my fridge. And what I do is the day before I do my grocery shopping for the week, which may not be the same day every week, I take an inventory of my freezer and my pantry and I um, kind of mix and match. I, you know, I'll write down the main proteins that we're going to have and you know, maybe the vegetables or the starch or whatever. Um, and then I make my grocery list and then I go grocery shopping. And mainly I prepare from what's in my freezer. And then that week, whatever I'm shopping for is usually something that's on sale that's going into the freezer. So I make sure that I'm always eating my frozen food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of my tactic. And, you know, I don't, necessarily plan elaborate recipes like my menu calendar may just say you know chicken and veggie or you know steak and salad or something Mm -hmm. um and then as the week goes on i try to eat the freshest things first like the things that are most ripe so if i'm making hamburgers i'm going to look in my fridge and see that i've got some zucchini that are you know not you know, are definitely ripe. So I'm going to cook what's ripe because I know that if I wait a couple days, then they're going to go bad. Um, so that's kind of how I work my way through what's in my fridge and how I work through the perishables because I don't like to waste food and throw away food. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if I if I planned everything all in advance, then I may not get to some food that's going to go bad by accident. I think that is a great tip because that's something that we've learned Mm-hmm. over the last i don't even remember how long a year maybe or so probably since we moved into our new house yeah so six months eight months yeah where you know we sit down on like a sunday morning and pretty much just plan out the menu for the whole week or at least what, mm-hmm. like you said what we're gonna eat um and then we up at a level and order it all through that walmart grocer duck yes and then i just go and pick it up <laughs> is that such a savior or what it's like so I, awesome. it's the best thing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not only convenient but then you don't buy all that crap like you sit there and you're like okay i guess i don't need the red vines this week and mm-hmm. i don't need you never say you don't need i, the red I always vines. take red vines <laughs> but um i mean we like go through the that's 
the best thing like that the, is it walmart's uh app on the phone you can go and get it picked up and there's no extra cost and and it saves your list for you. Yeah. So you can, you know, if you order the same things, you can do that. You know how much you're spending. So like if you're on a budget and you've got X amount of dollars to spend for the week, like it totals it up as it goes, as you go along and you can't impulse buy, like you said, like mm-hmm. you can't, you know, buy things on the end cap because it doesn't show you the end cap. So yeah, I, I, yeah I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So Amanda's great idea com. Where can, what's the best place for people to reach out to you? Um, so uh, you can email me at hi at amandasgreatidea.com or I'm most active on Instagram. Um, and my uh, name there is just Amanda's Great Idea, all one word. Um, and I love to follow other twin parents and um, mostly on my Instagram is, you know, videos of my girls dancing and being crazy and i love to share a couple stories every day um of their daily life so that's where you can find me most often that's awesome so um yeah thank you very much for joining us it's great hearing um your story it's i love your website like i said um thank you a lot of good resources i definitely think we'll need to look at but i think a lot of other um parents and twin parents are going to find that very beneficial um yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Thank, oh, thank you. you for having me. Yeah, this has been great. Thanks for listening to the Twinning Podcast. To connect with Megan and Ben, check out the Twinning Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. They'd love to hear from you. And if you like the show, please share it with others who also have twins.